1: Here you go. Here you go.
0: Shine. It's the Nothing Personal word of the day for Wednesday, July 12, 2023. The all stars were shining in the beautiful weather of Seattle last night. And in case you fell asleep, we got a few things to catch up on this morning because there was a flurry of activity and a flurry of storylines. Baseball does one thing really way better than the other leagues. And when you know you have the one thing that you do better, there's two ways you can go about it. One, you can do nothing to improve it and watch your lead shrink, or you can put your thumb on the other league's all-star games, keep improving yours and widen the gap. No question that Major League Baseball's all-star game is the best all-star game of all the sports. It's a little bit like being the tallest little person, but at the same time, the all-star game is pretty cool. Last night in Seattle, forgetting the pregame and the introductions, the first decision that gets made, let me do a quick side note here, Coca. the process, of an all-star game is staggering. It's a full application years in advance. You're meeting with hotel, convention, you're setting up a fan fest, you're setting up parties, you're setting up transportation for the players, you're arranging things, meetings with the union, with sponsors, everything's going on. Then the weekend comes, you got the futures game, heading into the home run derby. But one of the first things they do after deciding which city they're gonna go to They start the design of the uniforms. I don't like starting on anything negative. And I really, really do like the people in Major League Baseball, the creative people. But come on, those uniforms were dreadful, bland. You got the the casual gray. Was Was it a... Sandy brown cap with a green top and white bottoms. What team did these guys play for? You had to hurry up and look at their crotch to see, oh, that's the Rockies. Diaz hits the home run and people are wondering, who is that guy? Then on the National League side, who wears navy and black? It looks like a bruise. And I'm not Mr. Fashion but let's get some spark, some pizzazz, or better yet, how about an amazing patch that goes on the player's own home or road uniform? Epic. You could still sell the player jerseys in the store with the all-star patch on it. Let's promote the players so it's clear who everyone is. I don't wanna spend too much time on the negative, but my God, it drove me crazy. But then things got better. First inning, I realized that Fox is going to lean in to something that we've talked about and cared about and Fox loves, ESPN loves, players hate, owners hate, and I loved it. I want everyone mic'd up. I wanna hear what everyone's saying. I want the fans to get inside the game the sound of the game, when you hear the huffing and puffing of Juan Soto as he's going back to catch a ball because he's got a microphone and he's got an earpiece. I wanna hear the conversation going on between the catcher and the hitter, the catcher and the umpire. I don't know my view of having the pitcher who's actually pitching. Let me do that again, Coca, 4869. I also have a view that too much may be too much. When Nate Evaldi, who is one of the nicest guys who ever pitched for us, he has a magical right arm. It gets hurt from time to time, but it's smooth and easy gas. He commands multiple pitches and his personality is Mm -hmm. a chef's kiss. Nate, miss you, man. And you are a good guy to let them mic you up while you're pitching. All I kept thinking is please don't give up runs. I felt like it's when you're doing the franchise and your team loses and that's the end of the franchise. If Ivaldi had given up runs while on the microphone, while he was pitching, no pitchers ever would do it again. I'm not sure they still will ever do it again. But if you're Joe Davis at Fox or John Smoltz, John Smoltz is a pitcher. Joe Davis is one of the best broadcasters in the game. Speaking to Nate Evaldi as he's in the windup? Come on, what are we doing here? I love the back and forth. What do you think, Cutter? What do we got, Smoltzy? I think I'm going to go Cutter. Ooh, that one felt good. Ooh, we fouled that one off. Love it, love it. The fact that Evaldi's willing to do it, but don't talk to him while he's pitching. And then when he gave up the hits, I just pictured Nate saying, God, and then beep, beep, beep. Freddie Freeman, first base, Mookie Betts, center field. Teammates, both mic'd up, talking to each other while they're in the field. Yahtzee. What's the big deal, folks? Foxes wanted this forever and players fought it and teams didn't like it. We can't pressure the players. We can't ask them to do it. We can't do anything that could upset their routine. It's an all-star game. It's an exhibition game. This time, it doesn't count. Of course, when you watch an all-star game, the reason why there's a player from every team is that they want every local market to watch the all-star game and wait for their player to play or wait for their pitcher to pitch. That's what you do at a baseball all-star game. Hey, my guy's up. You don't think Mets fans in New York were waiting for Alonso to hit twice? Yes, they were. How about Marlins fans waiting to show the world who arises? Pitch one, hit. At bat two, pitch two, hit. The guy plays battleship, he never misses. D4 hit, you sunk my battleship. How the hell does he know? Is he Using a mirror or something? He's playing a different game than the rest of the hitters. Imagine that with power and you've got Barry Bonds. Couple things that you worry about though, when you are playing in an all-star game, if you are a team president, transportation, I want the players to get there on time. I want the players to get home. I want them to have their off day and then meet the team. There's a new rule in the CBA that, Coca, help me out here. When is the first game post-break? I believe the first game is Friday. But there used to be a provision where certain teams had to play Thursday, and they may have eliminated that, and I haven't looked, and that's my fault. Been a little busy. Friday. So part of the new CBA, players did not like playing Thursday. And there was always like a Thursday night game. Now everybody gets off Wednesday, Thursday. And what you do if you're a team on the road, you actually fly your players back. If they want to go back to your home city, you let them, or they can meet you where you're playing your next game. But what you do is you have a workout on Thursday where you're playing. So if the Marlins are playing the Orioles, let's say to start the second half, the Marlins will fly to Baltimore on Thursday, then have a workout BP Thursday to play the game Friday. But the thing that you don't want to have happen, injuries. And the way you deal with pitchers is that when your pitcher makes the all-star game, you've got your manager speak to the manager of the all-star game and people at MLB to let them know what you are comfortable letting your pitcher do. So we all meet the GM, the manager, the president, you sit down. All right, I'm happy that my guy, we can give you an inning Maximum 22 pitches. I don't care where he is at 22 pitches, he's done. So every pitcher in the All-Star Game has a pitching plan that is pre-approved by the team. But you are counting on the manager, and the manager of the All-Star Game are the World Series managers. So in this case, it was the Phillies and the Astros, Dusty Baker and Rob Tomsk. They interview Dusty Baker because there was a point during the game when the closer for the Blue Jays, a guy named Jordan Romano, threw a pitch, gave up a home run that wasn't a home run, walked off the field, hurt. They interview Ken Rosenthal, who, by the way, has a great story that we're going to talk about later in the show that just came out a few hours ago. Early bird gets the worm. He interviews... Dusty Baker. And Dusty Baker says, yeah, he was feeling a little back tightness in the bullpen. And then when he was feeling it on the mound, we pulled him. What? I almost jumped through my TV. If I am Mark Shapiro, I am livid. He's the president of the Blue Jays. Livid. If you feel a hangnail in the bullpen, or you get a little cramp in your tuchus in the bullpen. I don't care, you're not pitching. And then you announce to the world that he had back tightness and you still let him come in and pitch? That's malpractice. Not to say that Dusty hasn't done a few things to pitchers in his time, but that said, you can't let him pitch. What about Louis Robert, junior? Did you hear about that one? Home run derby, great first round. Second round, eh, not so good, got eliminated. All of a sudden, news comes out. Calf strain, not playing in the all-star game. Wait to see whether he will be available for the White Sox when they restart. It happens. Injuries can happen during the home run derby. But wait a minute. We have an update. He strained his calf during the first round and still came out in the second round. Wherever Jerry Reinstorf is right now, he is MFing everybody. Why? Because he doesn't like it when his players get hurt doing things that aren't related to his team, and he's not alone. There's 29 other owners just like him. If your player is hurting during any round, during any swing, Lay your bat down like it's a king in the middle of the park where you're trying to win meal money, playing a game of chess. Lay it down. At the end of the day, your responsibility is to your team. Now that's gonna sound inconsistent with my next problem. Not a problem, my next observation. I'm okay that Aaron Judge wants to rehab to get better because it's all about the team. I'm okay that Mike Trout wants to get better, Kevin Gausman wants to take a break and get better. Here's the thing, there are training rooms in Seattle, there are gyms in Seattle. When fans vote for you to start the All-Star game, I want you at the All-Star game, period. I wanted in the collective bargaining agreement and I didn't get it, a provision that states Anyone voted in by the fans, regardless of fatherhood, regardless of injury, regardless of exhaustion, regardless of location, you get your buttocks on the line and get yourself introduced. The fans take the time to vote. You take the time. I'm not saying he shouldn't rehab because he doesn't want to get back to be with the Yankees, but I'll give you a little inside baseball. The players want the break. They don't want to schlep to the all-star game. Now, there are players who have not been there. You saw the joy once the National League won the game. Strikeout of Jose Ramirez. Game over. Diaz rushes the field. RC is happy. They do make extra money. First National League win, which we called, both here and on Fox Business News yesterday, and on Neil Cavuto's show, where I got made fun of. You're picking the National League? Yeah. Ever heard of the National League? Ever heard of the nothing personal pick of the day? So there are players who like it, but there are also players who say, "Eh, I'm good with a couple days. Second thing that I would do, I'm not on number two, am I, Coca? This has to be like number six. We needed Kyle Tucker to walk last night against Craig Kimbrell with two outs in order to get Julio Rodriguez to the plate, creating what could have been a magic moment this great Seattle superstar, the cheers, the three biggest cheers last night, one for Julio Rodriguez, two for Shohei Ohtani, imploring him to play in Seattle, and three for Oakland to not relocate to Vegas. Those were the three biggest cheers of the night. The greatest part was when the crowd had a root for Kyle Tucker to get on base, even though they hate Houston, even though Tucker had not nothing to do with 2017, wasn't even, I was going to say wasn't even born yet, close enough. How about that stat? Kyle Tucker's already played in 51 playoff games. The Astros are damn good. Kyle Tucker walks Julio Rodriguez to the plate. He walks too, but that could have been a walk off. It could have been a hit. It could have been a moment like Otani facing Trout at the end of the World Baseball Classic. It could have been made for television. My view is don't leave anything up to the gods. Create that which you want to manifest. Let there be a rule where any hitter can hit at any time in the ninth inning when you are down. What's the big deal? Let Julio come up with two outs to make sure he bats down one. It's not exactly going to ruin the game. All the traditionalists will say there's a batting order for a reason, Dave. And I say, whatever, man, let it go. Let's get that magic at bat. While we're at it, Matt Snyder on CBS, I was with him last night after the game doing a segment, and he said, how about a pinch runner? Anybody who gets on base, you can have anybody you want on the bases, get some excitement, get some speed. Hell yeah, I'm in for all of it. If it's a hitter who's been taken out of the game, he can come back in and hit. Imagine Aaron Judge, not injured. Giancarlo Stanton on the All-Star team two Adonises, two guys who can go deep just like that when their team's down a run and all of a sudden, it doesn't matter where you are in the lineup, they're at the plate. I would like that in the regular season, but call me crazy. But in an exhibition game, absolutely. Our Nothing Personal Pick of the Day was a winner. We are 104 and 105 because the NL beat the AL. You're welcome. During the course of the All-Star Weekend, There are a few responsibilities that the commissioner has. He gets an agenda of where he has to make his appearances. He gives some community appearances to his deputy, to people in the community, like the players, like Ken Griffey Jr. or the ambassadors, they call it. Code word for ambassadors for an all-star game are please make the appearances that I don't want to make. But there's certain things the commissioner has to do. One of them is meet the media. Rob Manford met the media and had quite a few things to say. And I want to explain to you why this particular meeting of the media was so important by Rob. He's got a couple issues at the forefront. Some are good, some are bad. So when you're meeting the media, you want to make sure you get both out because the people asking the questions, they'll get the bad stuff out. You've gotta make sure you lead with the good stuff. Here's a good thing that you're not gonna be asked about, but you gotta get out as your message point. We're getting younger, hell yeah. All of you complaining about just a bunch of old white people watching baseball, no. Our median fan age has gone down six years in the last four. From 49 years old down to 43, that sounds crazy. When I was in the game, it was 55. That's me, that's my age. They've lowered it by that much over these 15 or 18 years which is better than the alternative because guess what's gonna happen to me? I'm gonna keep getting older. We'll keep doing these segments, these shows every day. And then boom, 30 years from now, the game and me, 40 years from now, 50 years from now. Let's say 50. You can take me for another 50 years, Coca. How old will you be in 50 years? You'll be a young buck. We'll still be doing this. Be 105 years old, giving you word of the day, alive still ticking so rob had to get out there the good news is that the game's getting younger which has been his entire platform let's let the kids play let's make the game younger let's invest in little league yada 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 good now let's talk about something that interests a lot of people around the country expansion Forget the fact that owners are demanding expansion because they get the expansion fees. It gets distributed to them immediately. Those fees are paid before the teams even start playing. There's a multiple number of years between granting an expansion franchise and that franchise actually starting to play. But the owners get the fee. They get to pay down debt. They get to increase their payroll, wink, wink, whatever they want to do. Baseball has wanted to expand to 32 teams forever. We were rejiggering divisions and leagues eight years ago in committee meetings with the thought of getting to 32 teams. We were talking about 32 teams before the Marlins even had a ballpark. So this goes back 15 years before our deal got done in 09 and the building opened in 12. Rob, made sure that you were all aware, expansion's coming. And as you've heard on Nothing Personal, expansion's only coming when Oakland and Tampa have their stadium situation taken care of. That's been the line. You've got to draw the line somewhere because Oakland and Tampa are not the only stadium situations. But he's not going to talk about it. He doesn't want you to think about it. Milwaukee has a stadium situation. Arizona has a stadium situation. Guess what? Baltimore is going to have one. Shocking but true. Chicago is going to have one. Shocking but true. We're ready for the next cycle. Tampa and Oakland are still on the previous cycle and we're ready for new stadiums. For teams which have new stadiums. But the reason why you cut it off at Oakland and Tampa is that gives a line of demarcation for the other cities to know that you're not going to be on the conveyor belt of new stadiums forever. And you are going to have a chance to get into the game, to merge in with the other teams. So he had to make sure that he mentioned that. Then he had to cover the topic that everyone was interested in. He had to talk about the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's relocation to Vegas has been a story that we have covered in great detail. If you go back to previous episodes, you will find that I have been resolute in my opinion that the move to Vegas is both not a done deal and I still believe will not happen. The Oakland A's need to stay in Oakland because it is in the best interest of baseball for Las Vegas to be an expansion candidate, not Oakland. It is in the best interest of baseball to have the A's stay in Oakland. I've always said it. I've always meant it. I've always tried to caution you that when you hear the commissioner talk, when you hear the president of the A's talk, it's all part of the process. That's a shout out to my friends in Montreal and Toronto. It's all in the playbook, the threats, the deals, the money that came from the Nevada legislature that is not specific to the A's. Why would that be? Oh because Vegas for an expansion team already has a funding source. (gasps) That's a miracle. No shovel in the ground in Vegas, no stadium design in Vegas, other than a bunch of AI renderings that are a bunch of poppycock. No plan of how they're gonna privately finance it. No ancillary development, no deal with Bally's to get the extra acres to fit a roof on it. No TV plan, nothing. Now a relocation committee has been formed Yippee kaye. Don't care. Relocation committee. Three owners who get the books before anybody else does. That relocation committee has about as much power as I do on the relocation committee. The bottom line is that the commissioner and the commissioner's office are working with Oakland and working with the city of Oakland to figure out can a deal get done? And then Ken Rosenthal unveils in the middle of the night, while no one was paying attention and now everybody sees it. Good morning, Ken. Rod Manford had a meeting with the mayor of Oakland. Mayor Tao came into the process late. She was hoping upon her election, the deal would be done because the stadium epic search in Oakland has been going on for over a decade. But lo and behold, she puts her hand on the Bible, says, I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me, Oakland, and says, oh, I got this problem. And the first thing she does is hear Rob Manford say, there's never been an offer. People in Oakland lost their minds. What do you mean there's never been an offer? There was a deal ready to go at Howard Terminal in Oakland. What's he talking about? But instead of the mayor going scorched earth, she went a different direction. She did all that I've been asking for to break the law jam and get a deal done to keep Oakland in Oakland. She picked up the phone. Commissioner, it's the mayor. Would you be willing to meet with me? Rob has no choice but to say yes. The reason Rob has to meet with Oakland is that if in fact Oakland does move to Vegas, he needs another Stalking horse expansion city, so he needs Oakland to at least be willing to talk about expansion. Way better to keep a team than to get a new team, as Seattle's going to learn in NBA expansion soon enough. Way better to spend the money now. Keep your team. So the mayor goes to Seattle, sleepless, exhausted, but eager, sits with the commissioner and gives him him. Everything and then gave it to Ken. I've not seen these documents anywhere. Go to the athletic and take a look at what has been done for the Howard Terminal site. Take a look at the financing plan. Take a look at the infrastructure that has been put into the deal, the amount of money. Take a look at the infrastructure district they're going to put around, which is like the tax increment financing district that happens in Florida and the one they're trying to do in Vegas, where all tax in a certain area can go toward a certain expense. And it turns out that the commissioner was wrong. There was an offer and there is an offer. And if you are the Oakland A's, it's a way better offer than what's in Vegas. The market's better. People forget and this people have terrible memories. Have you ever been to Candlestick Park in the middle of summer? With the wind blowing and 4,000 people in the stands. I have ever been to Pac Bell, now ATT. I think it's still ATT. The most gorgeous open air ballpark in baseball. PNC in Pittsburgh, ATT in San Francisco. People in the kayaks catching home run balls. An absolute perfect stadium. And guess what? The San Francisco Giants who were a millisecond away from moving to Tampa before Tampa got an expansion team, got a deal to stay in Frisco, built a stadium and now look at them. Rob Manfred was receptive to the city's presentation and all the mayor wanted was for all the owners who vote on relocation to make sure they had all of their information, not from the media, not from spinners or lobbyists or people in Vegas, but from the people in Oakland showing in fact what's happening. Here's what the mayor needs to do next. Pick up the phone and call John Fisher. Let's find out once and for all what John Fisher wants. If John Fisher has told Rob Manford, I don't care what Oakland puts on the table. I'm not staying in Oakland. Great. The mayor should make the best offer possible, improve upon the current offer, which she said she was willing to do, present that offer publicly to John Fisher once he turns it down privately. Do it all private until you know that it is a non starter. I've told you this deal doesn't have to happen until January of 24 that's when a final decision has to be made. It's only July. Plenty of time for ups, for downs, for sideways. Rob Manfred had no choice but to tell all of us that we had a good meeting, an open exchange of views. And then he said, I understand she came to the process late. That's because she was elected very late. And is doing her best to figure out if there's something that can be done in a process that was, in a lot of ways, kind of over when she showed up on the scene. Guess what? Have you seen It Ain't Over, the movie that we reviewed on Nothing Personal? The great movie about Yogi Berra? It Ain't Over Till It's Over? That is the exact way to describe the stadium plight in Oakland and the possibility of the A's staying in Oakland. It's not over till it's over. And the progress made in Seattle, the open exchange, the actual preparing and giving of documents. There is now more pressure on baseball than ever. Very easy to move the team to Vegas when there's nothing. When the mayor won't talk to the owner, the owner won't talk to the mayor. There's no proof of any possible deal or financing. All that's gone now. The proof is there. Next step the meeting with the A's. The commissioner will foment that meeting because deep down what the commissioners wanted from the beginning is for the A's to stay. I'm staying on this island, who's joining me? All right, we'll take a break. We come back, I'm gonna watch a movie that I didn't think I'd watch and I did. And then we're gonna talk about what Tony Clark did when he met the media because that is a early indicator of some rough waters ahead in collective bargaining in Major League Baseball. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit CCPG org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino resort in kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction wet in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
1: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. We're here on Fumes the day after the All-Star Game. But thank you for being with us live. Nothing Personal with David Sampson, YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. Make sure you're downloading the show. Audio, wherever you get your podcasts. Been here doing Lebatar live at 9 a.m. as well for the last couple of weeks. We'll be live again at 9 a.m. in 30 minutes. So much going on in the sports world. Still watching movies. Don't know how, other than, can you see the bags under my eyes right now, Coca? I don't mean like the, the non-Botox wrinkles, which I've never done and never will do. I should never say never, but I don't think I will. But the bag's under my eyes right now. Golly, Bo is Afraid. I never saw Hereditary, not going to. Never saw Midsummer, May. But Mike Ryan said to me, you can watch Bo is Afraid. I thought that it was a horror film. I thought it was scary, anxiety producing. But I sat down in the daytime with the shades open in my room, with the phone next to me in case I needed to phone a friend or go down to the lobby to make sure I was not alone and I put on Bo is Afraid. When I see Joaquin Phoenix in a movie, it's gonna be very hard for me not to watch it. People talk about Daniel Day-Lewis, best in class. Dustin Hoffman, best in class. Joaquin Phoenix, also best in class. Find me a movie of Joaquin Phoenix's that was not brilliant in its own way. You may not love every part of it, but he is an actor where you don't quite know what's real and what's not. You just know that it could be method acting or he could be the strangest cat in the room, but man, he's got talent. Bo is Afraid is a movie that stars Amy Ryan, Nathan Lane, Patti LuPone, Joaquin Phoenix about a son trying to get home to see his mother. And all the things that can happen on the way home. All of the crazy things that can happen. Some are real, some are not. You don't know. It feels real, but then it can't be real. Is it all in his head? And then you get Richard Kind? Ari Aster, my name is David Sampson. And you've converted me. I now will watch Midsummer. I will need someone with me when I watch it. I will need full protection, including at night in case of nightmares after watching, but your ability to make a movie that is brilliant in its scope and brilliant in what you reach to achieve, not settling on ordinary, there's not enough of that. Bo is Afraid, three hours, and you know I don't take your time lightly. Three hours of your time for Bo is Afraid is time well spent. So Tony Clark also has to meet the media when he goes to the all-star game. It's funny. You've got agents everywhere. You've got members of the uh, union management. You see old players you haven't seen. I remember our all-star game. I looked over at the union box. They all get a part of the deal is one of the owner's boxes goes to the commissioner's office. One goes to the players union. The owner of the team that's hosting gets to keep it box. And then you have a few boxes for MLB sponsors. And then if the people who buy your boxes, they may get a chance to buy a box too. MLB really does take over for its dual events. I remember looking over in 2017, Javi, what are you doing here? Javi Vasquez, a guy who pitched for us in Montreal and pitched for us in Florida. The nicest guy, love him. What a great pitcher. He was part of our rotation, Javi Vasquez in Fort Reynouts No, I'm just kidding, Jeremy. You know that. I look over and there he is. How you doing, Javi? What are you up to? So I spoke to him for, you know, a couple of outs during one of the innings of the All-Star Game in 17. He's like, just making sure, just here for the players, taking care of what they need, what they want, just being around. Bobby Bonilla used to do that, working for the union. Big Bobby Bonilla would take his big jacket, walk around. I don't blame the players for doing this. It's actually great. Now we've got players working for the commissioner's office too, and commissioners working for the union. I wonder what happens when Raul Abanez meets with Javi Vasquez. Do they view Raul Abanez as like a traitor? You're working for the man. How could you do that? Meanwhile, the commissioner wants all these people working for him, not because he doesn't want them working for the union, because he wants the players to like what baseball is doing. They want the players to like management. Part of the last collective bargaining agreement was this thing called the competition committee. That committee that I was on that used to be only owners and presidents. There's a new competition committee that is now made up of owners, presidents, an ump, and players. But guess what? The owners control the committee. You don't need three quarters vote on the committee, you need a majority. And the owners have a majority of the seats they always will. So the, (laughs) it's so funny. I almost laughed myself off the microphone. When the players agreed to this and collected bargain agreement, did they actually think, hey, this new competition committee is gonna be so amazing. We're gonna have ideas. And when we have objections, they're gonna listen. We're gonna have a seat at the table. We're at the big boy table. And of course, the competition committee did exactly what the owners and the commissioner wanted it to do. Of course. That's how you had the pitch clock and all the other changes that have taken place which have all been great for baseball, which the players for the most part like, except Scherzer, who doesn't like that Tuesday comes after Monday. But what we found out after these rules were applied is that the competition committee was actually not in favor of the rules as they were written. They had a bunch of suggestions of ways to make the rules more palatable to the players, pitch clock, disengagements, etc and the competition committee ignored it all. So Tony Clark has been festering his anger inside him, his frustration. I want to be heard. I am woman, hear me roar with numbers too large to ignore. I don't know why I'm singing Helen Reddy. Tony Clark meets the media at the All-Star game yesterday and says, "You know, couple things i like to point out. Number one, it's come to my attention that the owners would like to shorten the season down from 162. I would just like to tell you that we'd be very interested in that, but our players will still make the exact salaries that are making as though they were playing 162. So let me get this straight, Tony. You want to do less work for the same money. Sign me up. Nothing personal will now be 20 minutes Twice a week. What, what do you mean, Dan? I'm I, I You got to pay me exactly what you're paying me. You said five shows at 45 minutes. Yeah, I know, but change my mind. Two shows at 20. Pay me. It's absurd. We sit around in meetings at owner's meetings and talk about this. Yeah, we'll cut from 162 to 154. We'll give up four home games and the revenue from four home games. Happy to do it. As long as the players take 154 of 162 of their salary. Now, of course, the way it would work in real life if owners were smart, where there's no salary floor and no salary cap, is you can just offer less money to players. (gasps) Imagine that you yourself can control what the players get paid. And if you only have 154 games, bring your payroll down. Bring it down by 5%. Would that be crazy? If you're shortening the season by 5%, lower your expenses. It's not absurd. It's normal. So Tony comes out and says, no, no, no way to talk about. Now, I think you go 160 to 154 and do a little Adam Silver in-season tourney. (laughs) And then Tony Clark got to the lead. L-E-D. He said, we would like some pitch timer modifications in the playoffs. The players want time to breathe. We're gonna work with the commissioner on this. You know what the commissioner said? Eh, it's working pretty well right now. I think we're good. We'll take a look at some tweaks maybe, wink, wink. We'll let you know where we come out on this. This may sound like a small deal, but you have to understand the relationship between the union and the owners. It is tension-filled after the lockout, the kumbaya that you thought was happening really didn't happen. The effort by Rob to get to know the players and rehabilitate his image with the players, to have the appearance of a better relationship, it's not happening. There are issues, there are economic issues that baseball has to deal with because they have a team that has a $360 million payroll And they have a team that has a $40 million payroll. There are real business concerns with baseball. Owners fighting with owners. Owners fighting with players. And we're in labor peace right now. But during labor peace, which means in the beginning of a current agreement, you already start your positioning for the next agreement. This bargaining agreement ends in 26. Guess what? It's like a presidential election. It starts now. It's not a coincidence that Rob and Tony are saying opposite things about issues. It's because they feel opposite about those issues and they're beginning to settle on their platform Tony's telling his constituents, I am not going to allow a pay cut. Rob is telling his constituents, I will not allow the disparity in revenue to grow even further. The fans have spoken about pitch clocks, about time of game. Last night's All-Star game, 183 minutes, three hours and three minutes. Did it feel like it bogged down a little bit to you? Were you wondering, was it going to be a 237 game? There was only one mid-game pitching change, mid-inning pitching change when Romano got hurt. Come playoff time, you're going to see three-hour games again. You're going to see the pitch clock rules not changed, but you're not going to see a game end on a pitch clock violation. It's simply not going to happen. As a matter of fact, wait to see is when we say something's going to happen. When it does, we'll revisit it. When it doesn't, we'll revisit it. We keep track. By we, of course, I mean COCA. We got to find a way when we, to do a website where we have the document on the website, COCA, of the wait to sees and the pics of the day and so people can go back and like an archive. We got to see if we can do that. Here's an official wait to see. There will be no pitch clock changes for the postseason. None. Book it. It's official. So this has been a heavy baseball show. Lots going on. The second half is going to start. We're actually going to do a show to start next week, previewing the second half, summarizing the first half, telling you why I don't call it the first half and the second half, that it's pre-All-Star break and post-All-Star break. There are stories that we are going to be watching. We are still focused on the regional sports networks and its bankruptcy and the change of the TV landscape. We are focused on the Oakland A's and we are focused on our main man, Shohei Otani. When he was interviewed by Ken Rosenthal yesterday during the game, the big talk was, and the question was, how do you do what you do? And his answer was, I sleep. I love that. You'd be shocked how many hours players sleep. They go to bed at 3 a.m., but they sleep till one and then come to the ballpark. That's why they want their off days so much. It is a grind. You are at the ballpark, then you're sleeping, then you are back at the ballpark. Shohei Otani may be the perfect person to have all of this attention on him and all of this pressure on him. He looks like he handles it fine. But don't kid yourself. He understood every question Ken Rosenthal asked him. One of my favorite things about Ichiro is the reason why he would only do interviews in Japanese, even though he understands English, is he wanted to make sure he got every word right. Out of respect to the interviewer, out of respect to the reader, he wanted to give you an answer that was complete. And you know when you speak a second language that it's not perfect, you can understand it, but you can't really express what you wanna say, so you end up saying it easier or you cut off a train of thought because you ran out of vocabulary words. That's why Otani does interviews in Japanese. That's why players do their interviews in Spanish, even when they do speak some English or enough English to do an interview, because there's so many interesting things that are being asked and that can be answered. Oakland will decide how much they will improve their offer to keep the A's. John Fisher will decide what he wants to do with his team and then the owners will decide how it all ends. All of them have one thing in mind and it's what we've been telling you from the beginning. When it comes to team relocations, it's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Nothing Personal.